0: What's up, y'all? This is Gordon Chambers.
1: This is Kenyon Kenpin Ken Pencil, and you are tuned into RL1 Radio. And Apple Music 1 Radio. What's going
2: on, everybody? It's your boy, Pinnacle, and we back for another week. A special, special pin sessions on RL1 Radio and Apple Music 1 Radio. And we have a living legend in our presence. And my bro, which I could say God put us at the right place at the right time, Shout out to the legendary Gordon Chambers and my bro, Ken Penn. What up, Ken? What up, Gordon? What up, what up,
1: what up? Thanks for having us, bro.
2: What's up? What's going on, man? How you guys doing today? Man, doing well.
1: Doing well, doing well.
2: And I just want to say it's an honor having both of you guys in my presence, man. Like it's, I felt like it was almost godsend, like everything just came about. And I'm able to actually sit here with you, because to me, I'm like, Gordon, you're a living legend. And Ken, I'm like, yo, just me and you, we clicked automatically. It was just crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Divine like, orchestration. Yeah, like God definitely did that. Like, it's amazing how you just go for a walk and then all of a sudden, boom, just connect. Indeed. Indeed, man. Just
1: organic. Very organic.
2: And um, Mr. Chambers, um, I definitely got to say, because uh, I'm from T-Neck. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm from Teaneck, went through the whole entire Teaneck public school system, highwayman through and through. <laughs> so like I said, it's, it's definitely an honor to, to meet you and like your credentials, to portfolio. I'm like, you're you're a living legend and I definitely wanna make sure by the end of this show that your flowers are definitely received. Indeed.
0: And I do love real flowers too, so I'll send you my address, and you can
2: actually send the radio, too. Oh, I got you! I got you! <laughs> I got you! So, yo, so, so let's kick it off like this, um, because the last person I interviewed actually won a Grammy is my boy Swag. He he wrote for her and won a Grammy with her, actually. So, I want to know how was it for you when you actually won your Grammy?
0: Um, you know, the Grammys is exciting, but I've, you know, I, I try to really talk about more than that when I do interviews, because there's been a lifetime, there are those pinnacle moments in a, in a career, yes. but there's a lifetime of experiences that, that precede that that, that moment. Um, and when, you know, at events like the Grammys where your songs are awarded or the ASCAP Awards, which is equally really up, you know and the yes. BMI awards the CSEC awards those are the awards for songwriters and um, and um, those mean really as much you know because that's they may not be as publicized as and, as, and, and community service awards is for you know it, who you are and um, so I'd really like to whenever I'm being awarded or interviewed about, awards try to actually talk about the totality of the experiences and the totality of a career that that and the preparation that made for that moment because those moments really internally make you appreciate all those who have supported you that got you there so that's what those any awards always feels to me like i receive them on behalf of 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 those people who poured into me and that's really
2: my truth yeah wow that's that's (laughs) a great answer man like like, I definitely feel that um that that everybody deserves their flowers um whether it be in an award appreciation tribute show as we're gonna speak about as well um when it comes to songwriting like how do you like how does because I don't know not too much about it I know how to remix a song or maybe DJ but how does songwriting actually come to you like through for you like how do you start with that
0: songwriting is a is, is, is a is a is a it's, a it's a form of communication um you know just like a poem is a form of communication or a novel or a short story or a play is a form of communication an argument is a form of communication <laughs> you know um it, it is a form of communication set to music so when you are writing a song you think about what it is that you want to say a song has to have a a point um, a a message so to speak so that is what's paramount for you but you try to put that in a singable or danceable um, format so that people can receive it sometimes people can receive nutrients Mm -hmm. um, based on a little seasoning you know what i mean like people are more apt to eat that piece of you know meat once you put some olive oil and some garlic and some onion with it and yeah. how you present it you know it's so i think that you know it's songwriting is a it's, an, it's a it's a form of communication with a melody but um you know if you talk back to if you take it back to history um even you know as the ancestors and slaves there were messages that were communicated to each other, you know, through melody and through drum patterns, actually. You know, when, when, in the way that we communicated with each other. So it's it, it, um, long before songs, especially our people, you know, people of, of, of our ancestry, you know, under the diaspora, long before there were awards or there were um, the glamour of the industry, we used songs as, a, as, as healing for each other we use songs as ritual we use songs as as as, commu- as a way of communing and we you know we sang in the fields together we sang of of being free um we sang together we sang in harmony um we sang in unison we sang even before there was instruments we sang in literally in fields so i always think of songwriting as a communication um um platform so to speak or 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 you know it's a mode of communicating
2: yes yeah oh so are you usually in like a certain like element when you are songwriting like does the mood have to be lights dim or are you really like focus no. on something like how like how does how does like for well, i apologize which by the way is one of my mother's favorite songs Cause once oh, I told her, man. "Whoa, I'm interviewing him tonight," she said, "Oh my God, really?" She's like, "She she definitely wants to say hello." So my mother says, "Hello." <laughs>
0: hey.
2: <laughs> so like, and and and, I mean, to me, like, I'm like, I feel like I'm young. I'm older, but you know what I'm saying. I, I know about some Anita Baker. And yeah. how did you come up with that? Like, that's a classic. Like, I've been listening to that since we were young. I know Ken. Thank you. You go attest to that too. Um,
0: Yeah, the producer, Barry Eastman, and I had begun a writing relationship. Um, The late, great Phyllis Hyman actually introduced me to Barry Eastman. And she, you know, she took me up there for a session for some writing for her album, an album that was released after she passed. And he liked my writing style and, you know, kept in touch with me and started, you know, giving me tracks to write for different things. And he was also at the time working on finishing the Anita Baker Rhythm of Love album and there was one unfinished track. so him and anita had come up with the titles and a rough skeleton of the chorus melodically but it was just really a title and sort of just the, not even a full melody but a concept and he just presented me what they had and he said gordon listen anita's coming to town to master this album this weekend but if you can turn turn this thing around and put a, a melody in a hook you know and and lay this we would have to demo it real quick but if you think you can come up with something strong for this you know, I'll I'll try to get it to her before she arrives. And, you know, you don't get called I'm twenty two years old. You don't get asked wow. you know, to do something like that and, and it was an honor just to be asked to, wow. to and not try to give the best that you've got. So I swear to y'all he gave me that 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 C D with the rough kind of idea and the whole song came to me in the car driving. Like literally driving wow. I heard it and had to pull over from the highway, a couple of times to write down what I was hearing, just so I wouldn't forget it. But it just came to me, um, and I thought about you know, um, mm. you know, since she it was her title, you know that it was rare that women. I mean, dare I say it? I don't want to sound you know, battle sexes. but you know, <laughs> in our relationships, we usually find that it's the men doing the apologizing. You yeah. know, sometimes we messed up first. Yeah. So the fact that she wanted to, you know come up with a t- idea of I apologize. And I was like, wow, this is gonna be this is different. Like how can I set up the story to to you know to, to get to get to get through? And I was like, I just it just the idea of her calling the operator and you know and talking to the operator even before um you know get calling, making the call like it was like one more step of avoidance of of, of the vulnerability. So rather than calling her man like opera, like talking to the opera like blah, 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 blah. you know, it's like I just thought about how women sort of talk to each other and confide in each other, you know, emotionally before she kinda got up the nerve, So it was just a motif, I guess, to to get the get to the point of the song. The point of the song was vulnerability and like, you know, just you know, the, the point of the song is of course I knew I was wrong. Not just I was wrong, I knew I was wrong. Mm, so
2: I felt that when she you know, sung it.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and you know, so like I said you know, I, you know that was the that was the, the that was the point of the song and we you know Barry we demoed it the following day. Barry sent it to her like he said he would you know, FedEx because this was way before there was any <laughs> MP3s and he <laughs> mailed it to he had to rush it to FedEx. And, um, and she got it and she listened to it on the plane. And when she came to New York, the master, the, it was in Hit Factory Studios. So the master was on one floor. And she went onto another floor where he had some leftover studio time. And he said, you know, why don't you just lay a vocal, you know, just in case we can have this on file for the following album. You know, because she wasn't preparing to record it. And he loved the way the vocal cut He told the engineer, just mix this, mix this. He didn't even tell him that he was going to have it mixed. And the second day master he presented it, he said, listen, I got a surprise for you. And she said, what, what, what? She said, this is, I apologize, this is the vocal that you sang yesterday, and it makes them flawless. Wow. And he convinced her that this, that it should go on that album. So wow. it was just a matter of, of, of being in the right place at the right time, with the right situation, and and the rest was Grammy-winning history. God is good.
2: <laughs> All the time. Wow. Well, that's history right there. Like, I, I'm not going to hold you the whole entire time you're telling that story. I think my mouth will drop at least three or four times because there's a lot of things I never knew. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's amazing. At 22? that's God bless you.
0: Yeah, 22. Yeah, 22.
2: Wow. That's, yo. You, yeah, you are blessed. <laughs> God, you are blessed. Oh, man. And, and speaking of linking up and everything happened to be, you know, so organically, how did you and Kenyon link up. The Hariyatu came about.
0: Um, Ken Yon and I first initially met through our mutual friend an amazing um, producer, Troy Taylor, who's a legend, who is really an amazing producer uh, who worked with Voice to Man, Whitney Houston, um, and, and introduced him, groomed Troy, Troy, Troy songs and introduced him to the world. Um, Troy's is a, he's a living legend, and he's a friend. So it. What one time Troy was say Troy came to town. and was staying with me for about three, to four weeks, and um, Kenyon came for a meeting or a session with Troy, and we met in passing. But Troy had, Troy was here. it was my house guest, with a lot of guests. He was staying with me, <laughs> and people was visiting him. I was like, it was the Troy show at my house, but you, the Troy's family. So I, I really didn't. It didn't click in because there was a lot of people come to see him. You know, he was doing meetings and such and stuff like that. So it didn't really. I, I think we met in passing. But one day I was literally at the gym, and Ken came up to me and said, "Are you Gordon Chambers?" And I said, "You know." And he said it was. You know, Ken said, "Are you Gordon Chambers?" And he said it was both names. And he was like, "I guess like, I guess I am Gordon Chambers. Are you the IRS? But. He um, introduced himself at the gym to me and said, you know, we met briefly at your house when Troy was visiting, and I'm an admirer of your work. I'm also a songwriter, and and I would love to know if I could send you some songs, and I said, sure, and he sent me the songs, and all the songs he sent me were great, and um, there was one song in particular that really spoke to my spirit called Love and Help Somebody, and I eventually told him that I wanted to record that song for my Surrender album, and we recorded it, Um, but it was a very organic meeting where he just Introduced himself very casually at the neighborhood gym, but he was polite, and there was a light. There was, he was polite, but there was a light in his eyes about that touched my soul—a a light of, of enthusiasm and 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 honesty and um, exuberance and politeness. And you know, th- those are rare qualities. You know, you meet a lot of people in the business, but it's rare when. When you do remember the ones whose spirits connect with your spirit, yeah. and that's how it was with Ken, and we we've, we've been collaborating on different projects and ideas, and you know over the years, and he surprised me, you know, during Black History Month of the pandemic with this award, and um, it it meant a lot to me. It really meant a lot to me because it's a it's an award coming. It's an award coming from another songwriter. So um, and and it's and it's award. I think it's an award that's not just about writing, but it's also about mentorship by somebody who thinks of me as a mentor. So it, it came at a beautiful time in my life and I'm, I'm very honored and excited to be here. Not just, and I'm not, and I'm honored I'm and I'm excited, not just because it's me, you know. Yep. I'm honored and I'm excited because the, I think that the broadcast when it airs is really going to inspire, you know, people, um, and, you know, creatives and, you know, music lovers, I think are going to really truly be inspired by what they see. And, and, and I, am excited for what it's going to do for whoever views it, how it's going to uplift, especially at this particular, at this time, when we need programming, we need inspiration, we need creativity, we need hope, we need it in any form that we can get it. Yeah.
2: We definitely do and ken like how was it for you you know when you first met gordon and what does he mean to you because when you approach me with doing the the tribute show i was like you already know what my answer was i was like of course so like how do you feel about it my brother
1: well man it's truly an honor um you know it's it's so funny because uh there are different chapters of my life in which people actually know me, right? So I started out as a musician, I started out as a drummer. So, you know, a community of music people, you know, knew me from that. And then my journey took me along the route of songwriting, which I just, I love, still love. Um, and, you know, that, uh, you know, I had the opportunity of connecting with Gordon and Troy and so many other great uh, men and women you know in the business uh, but also there was this affinity for the business side of the music industry yeah. and so you know which afforded me the opportunity to uh, work at Sony Music and work on television shows such as uh, The Four and uh, even last year we worked on uh, the return of Making the Band uh, Diddy, um, Diddy and, 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 uh, and MTV's uh, Making the Band and so um you know for me the journey has been so unique and people like gordon represent the foundation um mm-hmm. you know gordon to me i'm not sure if anybody else have called him this but i call gordon the people's pen um he's written Hi. songs um that have become the soundtrack to people's lives definitely <laughs> i call
0: him the mayor by the way <laughs>
1: Oh, you know, and so, you know, Gordon is the people's pen. And when you assess the depth of the records that he is responsible for, um, makes sense when you also meet Gordon Chambers, uh, because there is a vulnerability um, as well as uh, an accessibility that has to be present uh, in order to write songs of that magnitude. And so for me, uh truly an honor truly an honor um again i remember growing up on these songs and words you know they say people make the world go round um but i believe that words create the world you know for people to make go around um you know and for gordon to you know in my in my humble opinion uh gordon chambers is up there with Holland, those in Holland to L.A., uh, to Diane Warren, um, the song, the, the compatibility of the songs to the dream, you know, yeah. um, it's just that it was different eras, you know what I mean? And so those guys, you saw them in the forefront, um, but I am I feel like my mission is to make sure, make sure that I herald uh, those that have created that indelible impacting the earth uh, through music, you know, almost the unsung heroes. And I just wanted to let Gordon know that he's not forgotten about and um, and thank him publicly uh, for his great contribution uh, to the world, not just to the music industry, but to the world, because there are people that are, you know, uh, dancing to his songs. He's made us yes. brighter. Uh, he's made people uh, pensive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Brought them in- State of just thinking and just reflecting, and you know, and 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 when you when your pen is so strong, you know it has the ability to transcend a generation and an era, which we witnessed with "If You Love Me" which, uh, when when Tori Lane's remade it into "Say."
2: Yeah, like Gordon, how did you feel about that when you hear a, a new age artist sample one of your biggest hits?
0: Happy. <laughs> <laughs> i have two i had two feelings (laughs) half remember y'all too one for the electric company was like half happy that's before your time no i really was was um surprised um it was a complete surprise um and um, I started getting calls. I remember my nephew called me. Daniel Jones, a good friend, a former musical director of mine, music producer, called me. Because um, it was bubbling up on the underground, you know, hip-hop charts. Um, the underground, even at like the college stations and stuff like that. So and people were telling me like, there was this hip-hop version of If You Love Me. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, and they're like, there's like there's, it's playing on the underground station. So I'm like, okay, that's nice, you know. I was still happy because I'm always happy when anybody um, takes, you know, covers a song, whatever. Um, But I didn't know where to play it. I didn't know what station to even go to to play it. You know, I listen, I listen to jazz, I listen to WBTO. That's what I play in my house most of the time. (laughs) Really, the jazz station. So I didn't even know where to find it. And it was bubbling up and, you know, and it, of course, eventually, you know, you know, it, it started playing on more mainstream, you know, um, pop and, I guess, eat, I don't know what you call that genre um, of stations that it started, you know, playing on. And then finally, I swear to y'all, this house where I live, which Kenneth has been many times, had a major house fire wow. on Valentine's Day on 2016, and I was shocked, and had PTSD, and was devastated and confused, and it was a major, major fire that I very well easily could have died in had I been asleep, and you know, um, the fumes had you know overtaken me. Um, I got up in time by the grace of God. Um, So my family came to see me the day after. And we were, you know, we, my aunt who lives across the street had, um, I, you know, I went to her house. I stayed at her house for about four weeks until I rented a a temporary apartment. So at the day after, I had to meet with the fire trucks and the police and the this and the that. And then I finally, like, went to Aunt Joy's house, and my family came to Aunt Joy's house and, you know, hung out with me there. And then, like, we just wanted, like, had a little family time. Cause we were, you know, we at that time we were trying to figure out was I going to stay at my parents' house or should I stay at our Joy's house? You know, it's just like, what are you, what are we doing here? And then in the middle of that, you know, it was like I'd been almost away for like almost 24 hours. You know, um, my nephew, who was one of the people who was calling me, and he was probably 16 at the time to tell me that it was, you know, it was playing. You know, I swear to y'all, I was in the car with my family and it came on the radio because he was in the front seat playing where he said, Uncle Gordon, I told you, I. Didn't I tell you your songs were playing on the radio? And i that was the first time I heard it on the radio. And I swear to y'all, I just cried. I just wow. cried. Wow. Cried. And I was like, look at what God would do at this time. Yes. And, and like, at a time when I really was thought, I mean, I was glad to be alive, but I was just confused and, and, you know, felt like. Not all hope, but a lot of hope was gone.
2: Wow.
0: That got that that would be the first time that I would hear it, and I swear to y'all, that was the, when it started rising up the charts. And it rose, and it rose up the charts. It rose, it sure did. And you know, and then the following year, the year thereafter, because it took two and a half years to read two, almost two and a half, two years and three months and change. Actually, it took two years and three months and four days. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, the contractor told me, oh, we'll be done in nine months, but that's a whole up story. Um, oh, boy. I remember, you know, that I found myself, you know, in June of 2017 at the ASCAP Pop Awards, accepting an award, you know, on the at the ASCAP Pop Awards. So um, it was just crazy that the song would be awarded at another, I'd won, it had been awarded at, I'd won, it had, you know, it had been awarded at the ASCAP Pop Awards in 1995. So here we would be 22, yeah, 22 years later at such a radically different time in my life. And even though that was a year after the fire, I was still in, in in the transition and the reconstruction. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And there God would have it, you know, that I would be, you know, there at that particular time, my friend Cy Smith, who I adore, an amazing singer songwriter, uh, came with me as my date, um, and we had a great time. And we suited up, and I went to LA, and and enjoyed this unexpected blessing. Um, so it was just an amazing, amazing time, amazing time.
2: Wow, that's that's an amazing story. Like I never knew the whole full backstory as a dj we don't see the whole totality of actually what takes place and for me to sit here i'm like i'm just at all right now
0: (laughs) and i've never met him i've never met tory lane really i still have not met him no but hopefully one day i'll just get to meet him and say thank you you know i mean of all the songs in the world you know i mean being sampled is really like such an honor in and of itself because I mean, of all the songs, I mean, growing up, my I, my father had thousands of records. And we grew up, you know, as kids in the hip hop era. So we used to pull those records out and DJ and, you know, yeah. do little make break beats with them and mix them and break dance and have, you know, like we're, we were hip hop kids in the 70s, in the beginning of hip, in the early 80s. So mm. I, the whole notion of like finding, you know, we would find our own little break beats, you know and be like, oh, listen to this, this is fly. So the fact that, you know, I know about that whole process, you know, just from our, me doing it with my brother and my friends with kids in Teaneck, New Jersey, in our basement. So the wow. fact that Tory Lane, you know, picked this song, well, it's probably picking from MP3s and his child, not vinyl yeah. in the basement, but of all the songs in the world, you know, thousands, hundreds, millions of songs. Yeah, But he thought enough of it, you know, to to make another song that was dope and fly um and and put a whole different storyline to it. it was just amazing and what an honor you know great great
2: oh man that's a that's a dope story and with both of you guys both being songwriters I have a question for the both of you have you ever dealt with an artist that was extremely difficult when you're actually trying to get your song across
1: I've never, I've never had that experience, but maybe I just need to live a little more. Um, So I'll allow Gordon to tackle that.
0: Yeah, I've had that experience. And you know, it's always fear. Okay. It's really fear, Um, you know. I mean, in the business there, there's been times when, you know, the record, the song was pitched to the record company the a r picked it, and the a r really was like, you're making the artist record the song. And, you know, there's been a couple of times in my career, not, mo- not many, but a couple of times when the artist was like, you know, why do I have to sing the song? I mean, if you study a, a lot of artists, I remember Tina Turner said she hated what love got to do with it when she heard it. Um, I've been to, like, Patti LaBelle's concert where she did a whole medley of songs that she said were pitched to her that she passed on. So wow. a lot of times artists like what's being pitched to them, you know, whatever. So okay. there's been times, I've, you know, a few times, not many, but a few times I've been in the studio okay. and a lot of times the artists, there was, you know, some resistance, but a lot of times it was fear. Like the artist may have been afraid of what was going on in their voice and the pressure of, uh, uh, of, of, of delivering it, you know, in the way that, you know, they knew that it should be delivered. And okay. so a lot of times, you know, you have to work with the artist's fear, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and make them comfortable enough to, you know, step into their, to their, to their performance.
1: Wow. That's, see, this, this is, is why See, see, this is why we're honoring Gordon, though, because he's not just the penman; he's the professor now.
2: Yo, it's um, gym at the gym. Like, I'm taking it, notes in my head the whole entire time. I hope you it, know this. It, <laughs> like, it's, it's
1: after gym, and and to be very honest with you, while it's a while, Gordon represents a different generation. The gems that he carries will be helpful for the present generation, exactly. and then this generation can help the next generation because principles, oh, man. And principles are universal, you know what I mean? And yeah. so, you know, Tory may say the same message that Gordon says, but he may say it differently. still a principle of effectiveness, uh, clearly communicating, um, saying what people are thinking, saying it in a way that they may not know how to articulate it. And so, uh, you know, this is the joy that I actually get, um, man, in doing. I had the opportunity in 2018, when I was on tour for the four, Boxer Show Four, um, where the judges were Khaled and Puff um, and, and Megan Trainer. And um, and so we were on tour, and I had no idea that uh Andre Herrera, the legendary and the Andre Herrera would be us, the founder of Uptown Records. And had no idea that he would be joining us. And we were on the road together for about thirty about 30 days, about a month. And um I just I, I, I was just enamored. You know what I mean? And just soaked up the knowledge and it was gym after gym. But I told him, and it is actually documented on uh, Instagram somewhere. I might've saved it too. Um, so so we sat there and I didn't know how deeply Andre was into black culture. So I grew up in a uh, faith-based home. So mainstream music was not something that I was hearing often. I heard it like when outside of the, you know, out of the realm of my home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but like, but you couldn't, but you know, like in terms of Gordon songs, though, you couldn't, mm-hmm. you, wherever you went, you know, they were probably singing Gordon songs in church. I apologize. Yes. <laughs> yes. They probably got I apologize
2: in church.
1: Right. That's how, <laughs> that's when you know, that's when you know your songs are like huge. I definitely right? heard
2: Missing You in church.
1: You definitely, definitely did. Heard missing You in church. No, I definitely no, did. I, like, right, I a
2: I commu- see, right at community, Englewood. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah you, you heard which song? Heard? Missing You. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I
1: mean and Gordon has a gospel record, but I was talking about the main the, the secular songs, right? Oh and yeah. And so you know, and so you know, so you know, I, I didn't have the luxury of hearing those type of, you know, songs, you know, at home. So I heard them outside, you know. I'll never forget this. I was in the fourth grade, right? I was in the fourth grade and we were on a picnic. Um And Jodeci's come and talk to me, came on, and I remember the whole class singing it, but I was clueless. I was was clueless because all I could do in my home was listen to gospel music. So I was like, well, I know the whinings. I know Hezekiah Walker. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I don't know any of this stuff. So it was just so amazing to see how, like, my path led me here. And man, it was such an honor to, you know, being the presence of Andre Darrell, not knowing that his mission in life was to, even though black was great, right? His mission in life was to emphasize it and to accentuate it yes. that black was the best thing ever, and he was truly for he was truly for the culture. So one day we were sitting in Charlotte, you know, truly for the culture, right? Black excellence. His his term was ghetto fabulous. That that was his thing. Yeah, everything was ghetto fabulous for, for him, right? And so we were in Charlotte and I said, yo, Dre, I said, I think you could be an adjunct professor at like UCLA or something. He said, hmm, he said, I'm going to have to entertain that. I said, you have so much knowledge and the, the gems that you're dropping is it's readily, it's, it's, it's without, you know, without any effort. And that's how I feel about Gordon. I feel like, you know, it's, yep. very, it's really important that our predecessors who created indelible impact, who made impact in the earth, you know what I mean? To be present, right? To be honored, to be present yes. um, and to be given the platform to shift. Uh, when we were, so like we were traveling, we were to radio stations, TV stations, uh, in the various cities that we toured, uh, speaking of Andre Harrell. And what I would do, right? because well, I was I knew I was in the presence of royalty. I would literally like open Andre's door and he said joking, he said, I can get used to this. I said, Well you gotta know yeah. when you're, I said, I said, Well, you gotta know we're in the presence of royalty. Because what we what we saw due to you know Puff's diligence and Andre's tutelage, we saw Puff is the byproduct. Yes. Puff is the byproduct. Puff had the fashion, he had the style, but Puff had the cheat code. Which which was Andre Harrell. Andre exposed them to the light. He exposed them yeah. to the business. You know what I mean? So I was like, hmm, why not go to the professor? You know what I mean? The one that knew about closing those deals, those big deals, and having your own label with a with with a major. You know what I mean? And so it's because the wisdom doesn't change. The status may change, but the wisdom doesn't change. You know what I mean? and, so, and unfortunately. Unfortunately, sometimes, especially in our culture, we have a way of doing away with our our people because of where they're not. But if I have anything, I'm going to sing the praises of the greats.
2: I definitely agree with that, bro. Definitely agree with that. And like talking about the future, because um, I just had this conversation um, going on. I don't know if you heard about. A uh, DJ team called the Union DJs. Uh, we're one of the biggest coalition DJ groups in the industry right now, alongside really? alongside other teams like the Heavy Hitters. Um, the Union DJs was founded by um, DJ S1, DJ Will, um, the late great Big Cap was one of, one of the founders of the Union DJs. So we usually have music conferences and we talk to different artists. And one of, one of the most recent artists we spoke to was Lil Mo. And what I have biggest discussions Mm. was, how does one feel about R&B today? Because sometimes I feel like it's a lot of new artists that I enjoy, but then on the other hand, you got some critics says R&B and what it used to be. How do you feel about, for you too, Ken, how do you feel about the music industry in the R&B world today in 2021?
1: Sure. Um, well, you know what, um, what we're seeing, I believe is, uh, we're seeing new artists, new R&B artists, uh, that are a bit reminiscent of yesteryear's R&B. Okay. Uh, Um, so you hear some of the elements, uh, like an artist like her, you'll hear some of the elements in artists like Lucky Day. You know um but then you have the alternative sound of r&b with artists like bryson tiller and SZA, where there are elements that's reminiscent but it's their own expression okay. and so what i can appreciate is that there is an evolution you know what i mean um the evolution um, uh, topics are diversifying You know, at one point it was just the same thing over and over and over and over and over. But 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 topics are diversifying. And I think one of the reasons because streaming has allowed there to be a voice for the non-mainstream audience. Yes. Say, hey, yo, we matter too. And we don't just want to hear (laughs) Takashi. You know, (laughs) you know, Takashi Six Nine. You know, so we can appreciate an artist like her who, you know, really you know, um hit us hard with songs like Focus, you know what I mean, or Best Part with her and Daniel Caesar, you know what I mean? Or let's look at the the mainstream effect and the ripple effect of songs like um Ella Ella May's Boot Up, you know, which was it had elements of Mary J. Blige's real love. You know what I mean? And but there was still a strong uh story and there was still a strong you know, subject matter. And so I believe that what we're seeing is we're we're, we're seeing is R&B, in a good space. Um and I'm excited about to see where, you know, about where's about where it's going. Yeah,
2: me too. Gordon, do you want to have any input? Or you think Ken
0: I I, I co sign to all of that. That was beautifully said. And what I would add to that is that I'd add two things. Um I know for me Of the, Rather than be one of those OGs who's been like, "Yo, the music ain't hot like it used to be." What the hell? I like. I don't want to be that dude. That's not flat. That's not hot. That's not on fleek. <laughs> so, so one of my students, I do vocal coaching. Somebody taught me. One of my students, they taught me how to use on fleek correctly in a sentence. So that's not that's not hot. And that's
1: wait, not wait, hot. So wait, wait. Stuff. Got it, got it. Wait, I got, I got it, about second. So. <laughs> So DJ, check it out. Gordon, what Gordon didn't tell you, and perhaps you saw it in your research, um, Gordon was an editor for Essence. So Gordon is not just a songwriter. Gordon is a writer. He's a journalist. You know what I mean? Him and words, you know, he and words, like, Gordon and words are best friends. You get what I'm saying? And so, that, that I just found that to be quite comical. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway,
0: um, like I don't want to be that dude, and I don't want to be that dude for several reasons. For one thing, that's judgmental. Yes. For um, for, and we are always judging as human beings that which we don't understand. Yes. And so, when you don't understand something, the quickest thing to do as a human is you judge it. Where you can actually take the same mental energy and try to understand it, and come with some humility, like. I don't understand. I have my friends, and I'm like, okay, i explain such and such to me. Like, tell me, like this, this is trending. This is like, I don't, I don't get it. And I come with humility. And I have my young heads who, like, I that are on call. Like, who should I listen to, or if I've heard it or heard of it, like, what, what are y'all finding so dope about it? And I try to channel myself to hear it through their ears and their eyes. So I don't want to be that guy that's like, you know, the OG that's judging what I don't understand. So I call my young G's, my young GZs or my young friends to be like, explain this to me. Like, where is this artist coming from? Why is this connecting? How do you, why do you like this? Explain it to me so that I can really understand. I mean, when Miles Davis started, you know, playing styles of jazz. You know, people thought he sucked, thought it was whack, thought it was horrible. When bebop came, they thought that was whack. When Billie Holiday started singing Strange Fruit, you know, people were telling her to, you know, go back to singing All of Me. So artists have always moved cultures forward, you know, at times that the generation before, it or even the audience at the time did not understand it and those are the very people that we look back and and say what the geniuses of their time because they dared to move the music forward so i think a lot of today's music sounds a lot of it there's a loneliness there's almost a coldness that sometimes you hear um that's that's artsy that's really artistic in and of itself like um who just performed at the Super Bowl this year? On the weekend. The weekend. Like there's, there's this kind of distant, detached
2: thing
0: about music. that it almost sounds like he's like, it's like it's, he's rather than coming from his inside, it's almost like he's an outsider looking at something. But there's this perspective wow perspective that's mm. that's very authentic because you have a generation that's grown up on computers. You know that hasn't grown up with, with as much live singing or jam sessions so he's reflecting what is his world and he draws you into that world. into that that world so I, I just think that a lot of times with artists rather than being judgmental or you know I try to listen with with, with an openness and try to look at artists and who they're becoming because I met Jasmine Sullivan when she was twelve years old. She wow. and I did a show together at Five Spot when she was twelve years old, Wow. singing covers. And that girl has been singing with all the runs, to pick up the pieces. She's been picking up the pieces when she was twelve. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the audience, you know, the the Grammys and the you know the Super Bowls and stuff. They're kind of just coming, catching up with her. Also, right. that's her. She had a record deal you know, back when, I can't remember her other name, but I remember, like, hearing her stuff when it was bubbling around, when she had a different name and then she repackaged. Gabby Wilson? I'm sorry?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wilson.
0: Yes, exactly. I remember hearing her when she was that version of herself. So a lot of times these artists are, to quote Michelle Obama, these artists are becoming Mm. people don't know where they're going. They're reflecting Mm -hmm. what's in their heart and in their you know at the time and so I think that rather than be judgmental try to listen to where the artists are coming from and try to listen like what judgment am I am I bringing to it and why should I expect that it should sound like how I want it to sound Mm. like when I go to another culture you know like I've been all over the world you know I've traveled I remember one time being in Brazil and these friends of mine invited me to uh, this samba like, there was this, like a samba, like an outdoor samba party. And I swear to y'all, it's about 5,000 people out there really dancing. And they started to play this samba music, and you know, you, it's samba's like very much with the hips. And the older the people were, is the better they could do the dance. I'm wow. like, how are they dancing? And the, and the guy was like, oh, it's from your hip. I'm like, I just didn't understand how to do, and I'm Jamaican, so I'm thinking I can run, but it wasn't no Jamaican mind. It was a whole different thing. And the rhythms were different, and I started to like dance and try to follow through. And I remember just feeling like, I was like, I'm, I'm lost here. Like, I couldn't quite follow the rhythms because Brazilian music is much more harmonically and rhythmically complex, and it's much more African than a lot of the music here. I've been to Africa. I, when I was a journalist uh, um, working at the Editor of Essence, I was invited to cover Yusu Nudur, and I was got sent to Africa and went on tour with him. And he, I remember the guy who was traveling with the band, who spoke the most English, he kind of like became my contact. He was explaining to me, I'm like, I'm black, I'm in Africa. I'm thinking like, oh, I can jam to the drums. He was like, there are three drums. And he said, there's a drummer who's playing in three, like the time signature 3-4. There's another one who's playing in like 7-4 and another one who's playing 11-4. So, and he said, and every like three t- patterns, the drum cycles go, come back around. So you oh, literally wow. have one drummer who's playing in one tempo. I was like, the mathematics of that was my
2: yeah.
0: mind. Wow. So Ken, as you as a drummer, you relate to this, right? Yeah. So the song was not in one drum. It's like, imagine four, three different time signatures. Yeah. I was like, wow, wow. I was just blown away. So I stopped trying to dance along. I enjoyed just standing there and being blown away by something that was different and wonderful. And I tried to bring that same listening to today's generation. Like, okay, what are they talking about? What does that mean? And how are they saying? Because it's not the same subject matter. I mean, songs yeah. have been about either dancing or love or you know, pain or sex. You know, it's all the same subject matter since the beginning of the time. But how is this generation saying it? What are the terms? What does "bleak" mean? You know, what what you know what does, and I and I have my interpreters who help me interpret it. And I'm like, wow, that's really di-. like like I remember one day sitting in my car years ago and listening to when Genuine says shorty Say what you like. Can you back it up? Can you hold my eyes? I was like, "Oh wow!" He's like, "If we get down, I'll let you hold my jewelry." I was like, "Wow!" I, I was in my car with a little friend of mine who was explaining to me like, "What was like, like if you if I get with you, I'll I'll lend you my jewelry." I was like, "Wow! How dope! How creative is that?" And that's yeah. hip hop, totally different than how I would mm-hmm. write a song. But I was like, "That is fly." And so for me, I try to bring that same reverie and openness to the music. And of course, when I hear something like Lucky Day or Jasmine Sullivan, you know, that touches, or even Thundercat, who's very jazzy, you know, that touches touches certain certain Mm -hmm. faces of my heart because it's more familiar. Mm -hmm. But I, I really try to really, and it's a struggle, but I really am trying to really listen more openly and nothing nothing becomes very popular unless it's really, you know, providing a service to a community and to a... True. So to listen, what is the point here? What is the service? What is the mission here? And try to get inside of that to, to find a way to appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely.
0: But that's the perspective I'm, I work on.
2: Definitely, I, I feel like people, you know, of all ages, should be more open to everybody's, you know, genre and how they view music. Um, but I could definitely sit here and talk for for as long as we possibly could. But I definitely want to um, touch I, point.
0: I'm sorry if I misquoted Joe. genuine, I probably misquoted. <laughs> nah, it's <all> okay. <laughs>
2: Gordon. You got it, Gordon. <laughs> but um, okay. <kid, laughs> uh, but, Ken, let's touch up on the, um, the event coming up, March 25th.
1: Yes. Yes, let's do it, man. Listen, we're really excited about it, man. The team and I, man, we've been working, man, feverishly, um, you know, and the lineup, man, are uh, all A1. Um, we have uh, the four and the voice finalists, uh, Miss Ali Caldwell, uh, who I had the opportunity of working with the four that season. Uh, where she just came and dominated. I was actually in LA on the set uh, when she actually, her song was Tell Me Something Good. Oh my God. You know, Tell Me Something Good. Uh, everybody cannot cover Shaka Khan. Uh, but needless to say, she did a phenomenal job. Um, and then speaking of Jasmine Sullivan, we also have one of Jasmine's and John Legend's support vocalist, uh, Miss Ayanna George. I mean, just a gem uh what she's capable of doing with her instrument that being her voice is 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 one of a kind then we have the wonderful aaron marcellus who graced us so heavenly with uh with uh, a wonderful rendition of mm, should i tell you guys no but i do have a treat coming up uh, <laughs> within uh next week actually so um, you know, Aaron Marcellus, um, young lady by the name of Matias Celeste, uh, who's also a support vocalist for Childish Gambino, just soulful, soulful, soulful singer. And last but certainly not least, man, I believe she is a young, uh, she's gonna be a, a firestorm. Her name is Limo um out of Philadelphia uh just she's she, she's special in fact i worked with limo on the four i recall auditioning her and ironically for her audition she did i think tell me something good and i recall andre harrell's response like oh my god you know what i mean and um you know and we've been friends ever since then man wow. it's just you no know, it's a Gordon's point it's just one of those you know when it's from the heart it reaches the heart and um You know, I've never been the one that needs to see people in the lights to recognize that they are alike. You know what I mean? It just connects. It just connects, right? And so we're really excited to have, you know, that great roster uh, to tribute uh, Gordon and to cover some of his timeless hits. And then we have uh, an ensemble, you know, an ensemble um, where three of the women actually cover one of Gordon's biggest uh, anthems, uh, Missing You, uh, from the soundtrack. And so just extremely excited about it. And the, the original plan was to broadcast this uh, in the month of February. Um, however, um, I had to allow the show to take on a life of its own and respect the production process. And so what I like about it is that um, a lot of these songs are, you know, they, they, they are either, they, they, they speak to the woman, you know what i mean um and so hey you know how perfect is it for it to fall in you know women's history month and so um you know my company and myself we wanted to you know allocate uh two to three uh free tickets you know uh to the event which will be airing on march 25th uh via youtube uh will pen tv um, as well as uh, wilpenentertainment.com so that's w-i-l-p as in paul e-n Entertainment.com, um, as well as on uh, Facebook Facebook live um, you know with the purchase of a ticket um, at the suggested uh, price of $20 but we're currently doing a um, early bird special of uh, $15, but again, you know, we wanted to, uh, you know, grace two to three um, women in particular, you know, to come and enjoy this wonderful uh, performance and hear the wonderful story of Gordon Chambers. And I like what Gordon said earlier, the objective is to also inspire, you know, the music community, is um, to inspire, you know what I mean? To pretty much, you uh, Do what Gordon has done for me. You know what I mean? Um, And that's to inspire, to ignite, you know, and and preferably it just continues and uh, thrusts someone further uh, into their career, especially someone who felt like giving up. You know, if I can be extremely candid, the journey has been one heck of a journey. Um, And so the notion of giving up for some. The notion of giving up for some is a bit closer than others and so you know we just want to be a vehicle uh, of healing and inspiration but it's march 25th at 8 p.m march 25th at 8 p.m um on those various platforms we just want to give people the opportunity because this is virtual you know sometimes things happen glitches happen yeah. so i told the team that i wanted it to be ubiquitous <laughs> <laughs> i wanted the event to be present everywhere um and so there you have it it's on the website Wilpen Entertainment um, again that's W-I-L-P-E-N entertainment.com all one word uh, Wilpen TV via YouTube as well as with the purchase of a ticket uh, they'll have access to a private Facebook uh, group and we're gonna have you man uh, part of our pre-show man getting the crowd warmed up Ew, I,
2: I can't I can't wait to, to, to grace the, the set because it's gonna be an amazing amazing night I'm looking forward to it. And trust me, I have my set ready. Like I've been working on Let's my go. set. My crates is- Let's go. Yeah, so I'm amped. <laughs> Let's go. I'm amped. And it's also gonna be on my website too, djpinnacle.com. And Gordon, once again, thank you very much for everything. Thank you for the gems. I'm like, I felt like I was in a, a school college session right now. I felt like I was back on Hampton campus. <laughs> so shout out to all my HBCUs out there too. Um just beautiful man. Yo, Ken, my brother, thank you once again. My um, pleasure. Everybody thank know your social medias one more time
1: and yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Well, you can check me out at um iam Ken Pen. so I am Ken Pen via Instagram. Um, yeah, you can check me out there.
0: My Instagram is Gordon Chambers. That's G-O-R-D-O-N, like the Don Gordon Don Chambers.
2: well thank you fellas i definitely appreciate you and once again thank you for everybody that tuned in dj pinnacle pin sessions on r1 radio apple music one radio and we see you next week peace new
0: jersey thank you brother Peace.